welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Jason, for getting together with me. Yeah. Looking forward to this. I try to give a little inter, uh, little um, introduction of yourself, and then let you fill it out somewhat. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So you're, um, you live in the city and you're an architect and you're in the city planning and things like that from what I've heard from you. Uh, not really city planning. I have an interest in city planning, but I don't actually do city planning for a living. Okay. Uh, but, right. but I have a very strong interest in it. Yes. Okay. All right. And then, uh, you also started, um, a men's organization and that's how I came to know you, the St. Louis um, League of Empowering Gentlemen. Yes. And that was a, a couple of years ago. And and I heard recently from a mutual friend um, that you also do Airbnb. I do, yes. Okay. I, we actually have a guest uh, staying here this evening, just right around the corner. So. Okay. And in this house? Yeah, we have a like mother-in-law suite. I see. It can be separated from the house with its own entrance, and so we rent that out because uh, we don't really need the space. So uh, it's been it's been great. We've been doing that for about five years. So, okay. Yeah. I just started that. Oh, yeah. Cool. It's a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. So, uh, and I, I encourage everybody to give it a try. Mm-hmm. The COVID things changed things a little bit. You don't uh, interact with them probably as much as I used to, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I've met people from all over the world that have come through, so it's been it's been good. Yeah, that's good. Well, anything else just to say about yourself? Um, hmm. So I grew up, uh, I guess a little context, I, I really like urban living. Um, I grew up on a farm um, in just south of St. Louis for about an hour, hour and a half south um, in Hillsboro in Jefferson County, and my parents are still down there, and they're still farming, and my brother is still farming, and uh, and I enjoy, you know, going down and visit them, but I'm kind of the black sheep of the family. I kind of gravitated towards urban, uh, living for most of my family is very, uh, rural living. So it's been kind of interesting in my life to kind of have that duality and as me and that family, uh, dynamic. Um, what is it about urban living that you like? Um, I really enjoy just experiencing the people and mm-hmm. all the intensity of things that go on around me and get to see life that's happening outside of myself and mm-hmm. kind of can be more of a observer of things that you can't, I mean, you can observe things on the farm, but it's mostly self inflicted and natural obser- observations. But, um, in urban environments, you just get to interact with so many people and see so many things go on that you don't, people who are in the rural environment just don't connect with or don't understand, um, all, all kinds of situations that are happening with other people in the world. Um, you know, especially if you live way out in the country, you know, like where I do, it's, you know, 400 acres and mostly just my family. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can easily not see people for days if you don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. And I like, I like engaging with people mm-hmm. and um, whether I'm talking to them um, directly or just waving at them when I'm walking by or smiling. And I don't know, that just uh, has always um, been something that I've enjoyed being mm-hmm. a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, something that places me into a bigger context in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Do you enjoy your neighborhood? I do. I really enjoy uh, my neighborhood. We are, we're kind of a small neighborhood here. It's uh, about maybe 52 houses total. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because the people who've been in our neighborhood have been here 
the demographic is really broad. We have people who um, bought the house, bought their house here, and have lived here for fifty to sixty years, and they've raised their family, and they've retired, and um, they've actually transitioned maybe from one house to another house within the same neighborhood. And we have several people who've renovated and brought back some of these old. Um, you know, 100-plus-year-old homes and spent a lot of time renovating them and spent a lot of time bringing the neighborhood back when it wasn't in such a great place in the 80s, 70s, and 80s, Hmm. Um, and really invested a lot of hard work, um, physical and emotional work, to get the neighborhood back to where it is. And they love the neighborhood so much that they actually – we have many neighbors who sell their house and then move to the apartment building. We have a couple apartment buildings in the neighborhood just because they don't want to leave the neighborhood. Hmm. And – uh, from an architectural standpoint and, and urban planning standpoint and just good city design neighborhoods that have that diversity of living styles where people can transition from one life situation to another life situation and stay within the same neighborhood is really um, rare. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really takes urban environments that kind of make that happen and really special well thought through urban environments to put those different um, housing styles all within proximity of each other. Hmm. And this neighborhood does that, which is one of the reasons why uh, I decided to buy the house where I did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. My sister and brother live out in Newtown in St. Charles. Oh, great example. Yeah. Yeah. Really intentional and in the way it was put together like that. Yeah. I mean, Newtown, um, I knew the architect um, when they started building that and spent a lot of time when it was under construction, leading tours with young architects and, and the design community here in St. Louis um, through that new urbanism approach. And mm-hmm. I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's, it's the way cities should be designed and the mm-hmm. way cities should be developed in, in that intense, um, intentional thought process on the future of growth within those mm-hmm. environments. And um, a lot of subdivisions and, and rural areas outside of cities are just built with a ton of houses that all look alike and they put in a bunch right. of cul-de-sacs and they, mm-hmm. they build them and they're not even that high quality a lot of times and then they, mm-hmm. they hope for the best. And uh, yeah. Newtown really put a lot of thought into it. Mm-hmm. And it shows the way the community is there is, is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you were kind of describing um, where I live uh, in Jefferson County, like suburbia. Yeah. It's... Um, hard to bike it's not the most ideal place for walking at least walking outside of your subdivision to like to the store or Mm -hmm. something like that it's made just for um having a car and uh and you don't um go to nearby shops so much and things like that um so that makes it i don't know can communities that are like that transition in some way i mean everything's already built and it's you know um well that's a good question i mean there are some that i have seen transition um i can't think of one off the top of my head but in terms of how they think about growth and how they work together as a community um to let's just say something really simple like put in a sidewalk mm-hmm. it's amazing how many subdivisions get built that do not have sidewalks right because mm-hmm. the subdivisions are really meant for as you mentioned the car Mm-hmm. You know, and, and everybody's garage is typically the front door of everybody's house. So I was just having this conversation last night with a couple guys about they were asking me what I liked about this house. And I said, you know, I, the house is beautiful. One thing I have a problem with always is the garage in the front of the house. 
because the garage is such a powerful design element on a house when it faces the street. And, and it just signals to me emotionally that this house is more about the car than it is about hmm. the people mm-hmm. because the front doors on a lot of houses that are designed nowadays are very small and maybe tucked off to the side, mm-hmm. but that's the moment of interaction with people. Mm-hmm. And mostly what you focus on when you look at a house, especially nowadays when houses are two cars and three car garage doors, mm-hmm. and it's just the majority of the house is garage. And it's just saying we are a people that get in our car and we don't talk to our neighbors and we drive to the store and we get our stuff and then we drive back and pull into the garage and shut the door. And then, right. And it's just so um, impersonal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't thought about that before, but yeah, yeah. you're right. And uh, And it frustrates me that our country has kind of grown into that impersonal um, approach with and I'm, I'm generalizing here that's not everybody but mm-hmm. um, you know when the when the car kind of took off in the 40s and 50s and the car companies really did a lot of work to make sure that everybody bought a car it changed the design of how we live in America and um, not necessarily for the better in my, mm-hmm. my opinion so I was just hearing someone mention this a day or two ago that um, air conditioning did a lot as far as making a change to how people relate to each other. Because at one time, well, these houses, they're built with a front porch. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one time, people would kind of need to get out, get some fresh air, cool down a little bit. Whereas now with air conditioning, people go in. Yeah. And... Uh, and when it comes down to you know what life is made out of, you know it seems like it's relationships and meaningful work. Like those are the the main components of a, a good life. Um, so when things happen that makes a significant change to mm-hmm. relationships, you know it, it, there's uh, yeah there's ramifications for that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, relationships and meaningful work. And I think that's something that that I value in my life. And it's, you know, I'm not that old, but I'm 45. But it's taken me a long time to understand that that's my values. Those two things are really important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Too bad they don't like tell you that in high school. Here are the two (laughs) things you should really focus on because it's going to be important at some point in your life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and with the men's group that I run, it's amazing we hint around that conversation a lot about value and what do you get out of it. And it's been intriguing to watch the younger men and what their values are and how they talk about their values, you know, in their early twenties versus us middle-aged to older men who are all kind of leaning towards that relationships and meaningful work. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of watch it change as the age demographic of guys talk about their lives. It all hmm. slowly moves towards that value of relationships and meaningful work Mm -hmm. do relationships come fairly easy like are you introverted extroverted do you have to have you grown to learn to enjoy relationships or how is it for you uh i'm I'm an extrovert so i've always been really um good at just jumping right in and, and having a conversation with someone um what I've learned over my last, say, five years or so is how to be intentional with those relationships and, and make them more meaningful than just surface. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, 
not shy to meet a bunch of new people and go right in and start having conversations and and asking them about themselves and, and digging into their life and not in a super uh, personal way but just really trying to get to know them um, but in the last five years I've been a lot more focused on how do I get to know people and bring them in and create a relationship with individuals in a more um, deeper way and not as much surface mm-hmm. um, you know it's easy to, to kind of get someone to, to rattle off their re- their resume to you and then start a conversation that way. It's a little bit harder to ask them about um, more personal personal things about loneliness or um, how good their marriage is or how do they feel about you know the race issues that are affecting our country and um, a lot of those more courageous conversations that the majority of people are just a little bit afraid to go there. It's just too personal. Hmm. And, and I've gotten a lot of um, value over the last several years by being more courageous and getting more in-depth with people much more quickly um, mm-hmm. when I meet them. Mm-hmm. And by being an extrovert, does that mean you're pretty comfortable with people as in... Um, you feel like I've heard it said you feel an extrovert feels energized when they're with people and, um, and, uh, an introvert, you know, they have to kind of get away to kind of regroup. And I, I think I'm more introverted to, um, when I'm with people, I feel a little bit on guard, you know, like not totally, um, just relaxed, um, which is something I'd like to grow out of, um, at least just, you know, some extent. Yeah. Um, so is it different for you? Like you, you, you just feel energized and comfortable, you know, around when you're around people. I do. I do. And, um, it's actually interesting. You brought that up, you know, with the coronavirus going on, you know, every, my job is hundred, everybody's working from home. I've been sitting here at this dining room table where we're talking for the last three months working, um, by myself and just in connecting with people via, you know, video conference calls or conference calls. And it's been really difficult for me because hmm. I do need the energy of everybody around me and not um, constant um, face-to-face interaction, that energy, but just seeing everybody else work and seeing people communicate with each other and kind of just hearing that background chatter mm-hmm. and interaction and just that that energy that happens within an office space as people are doing their work. Um, I feed off that. I, I need that Um and so it's been a real struggle, especially the last few weeks. I'm just about ready to go crazy sitting here in my dining room. I'm ready to go back to the office, um, ready to try to, now that cafes and things are opening, I'm already starting to say, okay, I'm going to take my computer. If the office is still closed, I'm going to go work in a cafe mm-hmm. um, just so that I can have that buzz of other people in life around me, which kind of keeps me keeps me mm-hmm. going. Yeah, I can kind of relate to that. And we've had kids in our house for a long time and it's always it's normally nice to hear that little buzz in the house even though I'm working by myself compared to a totally silent house you know yeah yeah no Just, it's it's a big difference I yeah. actually, uh, sometimes I have a um, YouTube channel that I follow, and it's just background chatter, restaurant, cafe noise, oh, really? of people mm-hmm. talking and light music and dishes kind of clinging, and it's really quiet. But sometimes I just turn that on. It's almost, that's my white noise, mm-hmm. is to kind of get my brain to focus better, is having that little bit of um, chatter that's happening in the background. Hmm. 
drives my wife crazy. She needs complete silence to focus. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I can't. I need to turn on the TV or turn on a white noise machine or hear, mm-hmm. hear other people talking right. uh, in order to focus. You know, the, um, you mentioned this before, um, and I was going to bring it up again. Um, St. Louis League of Empowering Gentlemen. Now, the, the word empowering, why did you choose that word? Hmm. Good question. Um, I think when I was looking for a group of men uh, to connect to and looking to create some relationships that were, that were deeper than the surface level or professional relationships or uh, casual friendships that I already had, um, I was looking to f- fill or, I guess... Um, yeah, maybe fill a void for myself. Um, I felt like at that point in my life, I didn't have anybody that was helping empower me to get through some, you know, difficult situations that, that I was in, you know, personally and trying to process things um, that I needed to process and just having someone there that I could really um, be honest about what's happening, um, you know, in my life and with my marriage. And I needed that I needed to be empowered to make a change to do something about it you know and um and i just didn't have that and i couldn't find it in existing groups and i looked you know online i looked through virtual things i was reading all kinds of books about it and the books were helpful they were giving me lots of information about how to empower yourself but for me being an outgoing person for me that needing others to interact with to be my best self i realized i needed to create that a group that would help empower me and the more I kind of got into researching it um, and getting involved with learning about men's groups and and the kind of situation of men in today's society the more I started to see just the lack of those deep male friendships um, at a deeper level that empowered each other to become better men or better people Hmm. and um and so that empowerment word just stuck with me as I was looking at for myself. And then I was looking at for others need to be empowered to achieve things. So when I started the meetup group, I was like, let's do empowering gentlemen. And then that kind of took me to, you know, the movie, the league of extraordinary gentlemen. And then, um, I thought that was stupid for a long time, but then I kept coming back to it. And finally I'm like, all right, let's just go with it. So that's how we got, that's how we got there. Okay. So it's almost like, um, being intentional in life rather than just going with however life takes you without, um, like the empowerment, it's, um, yeah, kind of building your life in a particular way with the help of other people rather than uh, just without thinking, just going through life wherever it it takes you. Yeah, absolutely. And and having that... um support system there to help um, bounce things off of. Um, I, I don't think, at least I hope not, uh, with the group that we're not there to tell each other what to do. We're there to listen and um, support each other in the, the things that we want to go. So we're there to empower you to make your own decisions about moving your life forward um, and then maybe raising some red flags if we see something that's um, not moving you in the direction that you told us that you wanted to go. So we want to empower men to do what they need to do and what they want to do um, and not tell them what to do, if that makes it, there's a difference. 
Is there any kind of recent example that you can think of of how um, hmm. you know your interaction with someone else yeah. helped you in that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my wife and I had had some challenges over the last several years, and I think I know uh, we were not leading our best lives together, and something needed to be done, and I had all kinds of ideas on what I thought needed to happen um, and try to keep the relationship um, together, but it was a real struggle, and I just couldn't... I couldn't get out of my own way because, you know, I was in the situation. And I think um, starting to connect with um, some of the other guys from the group that I started and then um, a group that I got connected with, um, with some guys that I've met in, up in Kansas City and had some similar um, challenges, relationship challenges. And uh, when we started to just be more honest with each other about those things, they were able to kind of listen to what my story was and able to feed back to me what they're hearing. So mm -hmm. I could hear it in a slightly different way mm -hmm. um, that allowed me, um, and, and it wasn't quick by any means, but over time allowed me to kind of see a pattern that maybe I, that I couldn't see for myself hmm. um, and then make some decisions based on that feedback of, of how they're telling me what they hear when I talk about mm -hmm. the issues. I don't know, does that make sense? It does. Kind of like being able to look at your life through the light, through the eyes of other people by just kind of opening it up and then letting them just give you some feedback of, concerning what they're hearing. Yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, for yourself and for me, being open to listening to how they're telling you that feedback mm -hmm. in a non-threatening way and just mm -hmm. as, as um, not good or bad, but just is. And then taking that in and, and trying to synthesize that uh, as a potential beginning of a, of a path to move in a direction. Hmm. Um, so it's been really helpful. And, and I've been able to do that with a few of the men in the group as well. Um, and it's been very rewarding for me to see others as I just listen and feed back to them what they're telling me from mm -hmm. my point of view and able to see them make a choice that they couldn't make before because they just couldn't they couldn't figure out which path to take mm -hmm. or even a path they're like i don't think there's a solution but then as they talk to it with others of us and we kind of you know feed it back to them there is a path and they know the path most of the time they just mm -hmm. can't really see it until they hear it in a different way mm -hmm. which is yeah. something that i've been learning over the last couple of years which has been kind of fascinating mm -hmm. so when we were talking you mentioned uh a podcast that I've kind of been getting into and enjoying, Order of Man. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's, um, I find it encouraging and enjoyable to listen to. Now, you did express some concerns that you had concerning um, the direction um, the, the leader and mm -hmm. this group is going with regards to women. Um, but I didn't really get all of that, of what your concerns were. Sure, um, could you explain that? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's a um, systemic concern that's going through that podcast with that group. I think um, it's just certain certain podcasts, certain ways that um, individuals in that group have talked about um, men's 
issues in society, which I agree with a lot of them. Um, but on occasion, there's conversation that talks about men being suppressed because of a little bit of the feminist movement that's been happening, kind of that Me Too movement. And there's a lot of guys who are very frustrated by that, by that mm. movement. Um, and I, I have to say that I don't think I've really pulled any of them aside and had a deep conversation with them. This mm -hmm. is mostly just me listening to a podcast. So, uh, But there's just the ways that they frame some of those conversations. And then I also follow the blog on Facebook. They have a Facebook group, and so I'm a member. And so I read lots of the men's conversations about issues. And um, I just had to slowly start backing away from some of them because there are individuals there that start thinking that women shouldn't you know, have a little bit more power empowerment that that's kind of a detriment to men in society when women start to take more power um, I'd like to believe they don't mean mean it in the way that I'm interpreting it but I've just been I heard it so much that I start to back away from that podcast a little bit and that group a little bit because uh, I do believe that women should have equal uh, opportunities as men and I and I do believe that women should be treated fairly in, in the workplace and um be able to have all those, like I said, opportunities that men have. Um, how do we work together to balance that out? I, I don't know. Um, that's a big conversation. Um, but when lots of other men feel like their power is being degraded because women are starting to have more power, I just can't align myself with that thought process. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, Um, we had talked about a bunch of different things and when we were just chatting over coffee um, I also asked you about your uh, kind of fundamental belief systems you know system concerning you know God or, sure. or not God and um, you expressed uh, you know you told me about growing up in a religious family but now you know you're not a theist mm -hmm. so to speak so um you know, if that's something, um, you have anything to say about just why that move took place or how it took place, um, that would be uh, something I'd like to ask you about. Sure. If, you know, you had given that thought, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about this a lot. I have gotten these kind of conversations with, with individuals. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm not a, a believer in a higher power. Um, I just, really struggled putting the pieces together of organized religion in that context of growing up. Mm -hmm. um, my dad uh, was Baptist. My mom was Catholic. Um, you know, and in the late 70s, early 80s, that was still kind of an issue. Uh, just, you know, within the community at large, mm -hmm. kind of mixing religions. Um, I think most people today would probably be like, why is that a problem? <laughs> but uh, it and it wasn't like overt. It was small things that you noticed as a kid that I don't think a lot of the adults in the churches thought that us children were putting those pieces together as they talked about it. So when we were really young, up until probably, I don't know, 10, we were going to Catholic church with my mom and her family. And um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I still enjoy the pageantry of religion mm -hmm. i find that really fascinating i like the architecture of religion i like the the whole um process 
that uh, and ceremony that religion brings to people. I find mm-hmm. that just absolutely fascinating and and really powerful. Mm-hmm. Where it fell down for me is we eventually ended up leaving the Catholic Church because it just got so complicated with um, others kind of condemning and condemning is probably a, a really too harsh of a word, but just constantly talking about. Well, you know, my mom married a Baptist, and these kids are not pure Catholic, and hmm. um, and so we ended up changing from going from Catholic Church uh, to Baptist. Hmm. And as I th- and I've never had this conversation with my parents, and I should probably talk about that with them um, why we made that change, and and more specifically, but we ended up going to the Baptist Church, I think, to be more inclusive um, or have a religion that was more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we were there, again, I, I loved it. It was very different, you know, ba- mm-hmm. ba- from Baptist to from Catholic to Baptist. Yeah. Um, a lot more of my friends uh, were at that church that I went to um, high school with and, and school with, and I think over time, as I started to be more aware of understanding the lessons that we were being told and how uh, God should you should love everybody and that you should treat everybody equal and that. Um, you should really celebrate your neighbor and like all those really positive like aspects of religion that are full of like love and compassion for the other human. I, I resonated that as at a very young age and mm-hmm. I really uh, appreciated it. And I thought it was really um, eye opening to, to listen to the preachers and the, and the Sunday school teachers talk about, you know, the Bible and, and just how, um, how loving and open the religion is but then when i would see the leaders on the sidelines and in between the classes and in between the sermons just not not practice what they're preaching that's what got really me really frustrated you know the we would be told in sunday school class that adultery is bad but then you know you'd have a a deacon who is you know you'd find out is cheating on his wife and sleeping with somebody else or you would find out that you're not supposed to have sex before a certain age and then you you know have several women in the church who are pregnant and as a teenager and then you find out that gambling is bad and then you hear that this person has a gambling problem or drinking is bad and you shouldn't do it and someone has an alcohol problem and um i think by the when i got into high school i just started seeing all of those frustrations of you're t- you're teaching us all these things which are the way we're supposed to live but as leaders you guys can't follow those rules and it started me to think that it's it's not easy to follow that kind of religious lifestyle and that we're human and we do um sin and that's when i'm just like then then what is this all about you know why why do i need a church to tell me how to live a moral and value life um and then sit around people who are all maybe not following that um and yet they're the leaders of these organizations. And so I just, I just stepped away and started to say, I know what's good. I know what's bad. I, I understand the foundation. I know I want to, I want to celebrate everybody. I want to love everybody equally. And I, I don't want to judge them because they are black or they're white or they're Catholic or they're Baptist or, you know, male or female. Mm-hmm. Why can't we all just be human? And um, then when we got into high school, my parents you know, pretty much said, you know, you, it's up to you guys. You know, we've given you a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. You you know what you need to know. You guys get to make the decision. And 
um, and I chose to say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with church. I'm, I'm going to learn about the value system of life and interacting with people um, and take that within myself and move that forward. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of what I've, what I've done. So, Are your parents still involved in church? Um, no. Okay. Um, I think the whole family pretty much kind of stepped away from it. Okay. Um, once the four of us kids all decided to step away from it, mm-hmm. um, the parents did as well. And then they, they go back and forth from time to time, and they've gone to a couple different churches, but they're not, um, uh, for lack of a better word, religious about going to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So um, as far as like the existence of, as you said, a higher power or a God, um, you're, you're kind of like perhaps or maybe yeah, not or something yeah. like that. I, I don't, I, there's got to be something out there that created all the beauty that we all see that started um, mm-hmm. what we all have and how we became. Um, I, I do believe that science, you know, has, has a role in that. And I, that was something also frustrated me as a kid as we're like learning in school. My mom was a teacher and she was very science focused mm-hmm. you know and so on one hand you're learning about science and then the baptist school it's like no there's you know creation and science it really isn't uh how we got created and lots of that dialogue which still happens between mm-hmm. um how we all came to be mm-hmm. and i'm and i always was like well, why can't it be both why can't why can't there be a higher power that caused the chain reaction that got what science is proving mm-hmm. um and so I, I believe that something's out there. Something magical happened at one point in time that caused a chain of events that got us to where we are today. Um, but I don't know if that's uh, a Christian God or if that's a Hindu God or if that's you know a, you know Japanese God or a Buddhist. God, you know, I think all of them have value. And the more the older I get, and the more I learn and talk to people who represent all those religions, the, the more I see the similarities between all of them maybe a different name and a slightly different way they went about it but at the basis for me it's all still about why don't you love each other and just be a good person and Mm -hmm. so i kind of wrap all that together and say you know religion should just be about being a good person and loving each other and believing in something is higher than you are and celebrate that and be grateful for that and and move on and do the best life you can do Mm-hmm. Do you, um, as far as a God or a higher power, do you try to relate to that God? Like, do you pray, or is there any oh. like kind of practices in your life, that, you know, related to that? You know, I, I don't, I don't pray in the traditional sense. I would say that I was taught as a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I'm in a situation and somebody is saying a prayer, I will definitely take that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't practice it on a regular basis. And, um, something that I've gotten into in the last year or so is really meditation. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just kind of finished my first Qigong class, which is really about energy work um, that dealt a lot with meditation and really connecting to uh, the earth and kind of the energy of the earth um, around you and really focusing on breathing and really um, understanding your body more and how your body feels by meditating on thinking about the inner workings of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say if, I, if maybe this is a loose stretch, but the, the praying piece for me is kind of translating more into the meditation mm-hmm. of feeling the energy of the earth, the energy of myself. And that energy for me is kind of that, that higher power. That's something that I can feel it and I can sense it. 
I don't know where it's coming from and, and what that's all about. Um, so that's kind of my, um, the way I, I look at it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I do have an interest in what you're describing, like meditation. I personally, like, I think of prayer as something kind of different, like just the word pray, you know, it yeah. comes from like you're requesting, you know, but that's kind of a limited view um, because um, prayer, you know, of course, in, is giving expressing thanksgiving or but it could uh, expressing trust and things like that but um yeah there might be a, a sense in which prayer is just um resting in the presence of god so i can kind of see yeah. a little bit of a relation there yeah i think when i'm meditating like when in the shigong class with the leader one of the things that he does um that he taught us to do is just to stand or sit and like feel the energy of the earth, like like feel the energy within yourself, and then they want you to um, push that energy down into the earth and push it down as far as you can, and like mentally think about your energy going in into the ground and uh, and you know twenty feet or a hundred feet or a mile into the ground, and like really think that through, and then do the reverse. You feeling that energy way down on the ground and then let that come back up into you. And it took a while for me to, to be able to mentally think about that and really put that into a context that I could feel uh, that connection. But after a while, I started to feel that. And, and I think just like maybe basking in the glory of that feeling and that's outside of myself. I don't I know. That's kind of that thanks, thankfulness without being asking for thankfulness or saying it, mm-hmm. um, just kind of feeling that presence um, mm-hmm. has been has been really interesting. And I still have a long way to go. I mean, just getting started. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to learn. My interest in it is just um, build, building up discipline and the practice of just being present in life yeah. more because I, maybe everyone's like this, I'm not sure, but... Um, my mind can just be um, spinning and turning, even like before we started, I mentioned last night, just, yeah. uh, and not in a profitable way, you know, sometimes just kind of thinking hard about things and just being in your head, working through problems can be helpful, but other times it's not, it's just, you're just not present. And um, so I can see that, um, you know, meditation perhaps is a useful tool for, um, just learning how to do that yeah. better, which is a more pleasant way to go through life, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think that being present is, is the biggest thing that I've learned through the meditation and the Qigong mm-hmm. practice. And um, really focusing on, especially with the Qigong, is focusing on your own body and your moment of where you, where you are. Mm-hmm. And like the beginning of every class uh, for Qigong is really taking a moment and even my meditation actually does this now that I think about it is to to walk your yourself mentally through your body and and like kind of say hello to all the different pieces Mm -hmm. and really take some time to think about each piece Hmm. and see how you're actually feeling you Mm -hmm. know like focus on your elbow is your elbow got a pain in it or is it is it trying to tell you something focus on your stomach and what is your stomach telling you are you hungry or are you 
you know, satiated or do you have a pain there? And um, just slowing down to really think about all those elements um, really makes you a lot more present and puts you more in touch with yourself. Because um, a lot of people don't do that. No one ever sits and says, oh, I'm going to, they say my knee hurts, but they don't sit and really think about mm-hmm. how it's feeling. You know, mm-hmm. they're just worried about the pain and then they take a medication and then the pain goes away mm-hmm. and they kind of ignored their body. Mm-hmm. So, right. Is it, yeah, the pain's something to run from, to avoid, you know, it's yeah. how we tend to regard it. And, um, and that might cause more tension than if we just examined it, you know, and consider what, yeah. what's going on here. What am I feeling? You know, what's my body, um, experiencing right now with this pain yeah well and the brain is such an amazing organ you know i mean pain is really uh the brain telling you that there's something going on there Mm -hmm. and um and through you know qigong and and other um kind of eastern practices i've started to learn that yeah you may be feeling the pain in your knee but it's actually somewhere else that maybe that that's originating from the pain center is just in the knee or you may be feeling pain in your back this is a good one for men a lot of men feel a lot of pain in their lower back Mm -hmm. and um, from my teacher and and lots of other things that i'm reading is it may not necessarily be something the chiropractor can fix it may just be you're holding tension there because Mm -hmm. you have not learned to be able to relax yourself Mm -hmm. in a mental way Mm -hmm. um and uh, my Qigong uh, teacher, he actually was an architect. He, he and I used to work together mm-hmm. um, years ago, and he ended up hurting his back. And he went to try to get healed, and he went to all these Western doctors, and they're all just like, you know what? You just pulled you pulled a muscle. It's a you know a herniated disc or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, just here's some medicine. It's going to go away. Just deal with it. And he's like, I, I don't want to just sit and take medicine for the rest of my life. He goes, I want it to go away mm-hmm. and so he started looking into eastern medicine and he got into uh, meditation and to breathe you know into breathing exercises and then went over in qigong and um after a year well, a little less than a year of practicing all of those things yoga and breathing his back pain went away and he said the secret was when i learned that i just needed to relax and i needed to relax and not relax my back specifically but relax myself wholly and once he became learned how to actually release the tension and let go of all the stress um, that he had and was holding on to, he was holding all that stress in his back. He's like, I haven't had a back issue for years. Hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so that's kind of what he teaches us. He says, every person kind of holds that anxiety and that stress in a different place in their body. Mm-hmm. And if you can figure out how to, to just let it go for a moment and take that time to just be and fully relax, then a lot of times you'll open up. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, what books have made an impact on your life? Oh, um, you know, lots of books have made an impact on my life. Um, the most recent one, uh, and you were actually part of that uh, mm-hmm. book club we had with the, with the league, is the um, Building Your Band of Brothers by mm-hmm. Stephen Mansfeld. Um, that book made a huge impact on my life, which actually uh, pushed me into actually creating uh, the league and uh, starting that group. And uh, and since then, I've met people like you and have made some really great friends. And I have 
all kinds of connections in the city um, that I'm able that people reach out to me and I reach out to them. We have amazing conversations, and I really think um, that book was the big catalyst for pushing me forward to do that work. Um, you know, and and meeting Stephen in person. You know, I was at a Order of Man event actually where I met Stephen Mansfield, mm-hmm. and uh, he was kind of talking about his book and hearing him and his struggle and then kind of reading the book um, pushed me into that. So that's definitely one book that, that's made an impact. Okay. Anything else that's just really shaped your life? Um, you know, I don't think I've ever told anybody this outside of architecture. Um, there is a book that I read in college that I think about a lot, and it's called Invisible Cities um, by Italio Cavino. And it's not a big book, but... We studied it in architecture, and it, the whole impetus of the book is there's a king, and uh, it's set in a fictional Venice, hmm. I, I believe. It's been a while since I read the book now, but it's set in a fictional city, and the king is too busy ruling. The king wants to travel. The king wants to explore the world. The king wants to just not be king. Mm-hmm. But he can't, because his job is to be king, and he has got to do all these things. So he uh, picks an explorer and tells the explorer to go out into the world and explore and come back and tell him what he can't go see himself. Hmm. So the explorer goes out, and he's gone for a long time, and he comes back. And then he spends these series of evenings with the king telling him about um, all of his adventures and all of his amazing cities that he's seen and he'll just go city to city and and he'll describe one city as like a city of light and and here's how the city is unfolded for him and then he came across another city which was a city of life or and then the city of water and then this is and he just kind of picked all these aspects of these cities that he's traveled to and and the king was just like enthralled it's like every night he just wanted another city and another story of a place that this guy had been and after like a week or so of hearing all these stories about all these cities, the king's like, that's it. I'm going to, I'm leaving being king. I'm going to go explore the world. I'm like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, well, you don't have to. The explorer's like, every city I described is this city. And that book is really powerful because it just puts into, it's all about your frame of mind. You know, and if you can see things differently and look at the same thing over and over and notice it in a different way every single time you look at it, that's that's the joy, right? Is that's the excitement. You don't have to travel the world, you just have to, to look at the things that you're calling mundane with a different viewpoint. Hmm. So it's a good it's a great book. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Well what's life all about? From your perspective, oh man, we're getting to a really big question. I don't know. Um, Oh man, I wasn't prepared for that one. I think for right right now, for me, um, with where I am, life is just about. I'm trying to just enjoy life where I am and, and enjoy the moment and not try to put so much pressure on myself to, um, achieve X, whatever X is. Um, and I think when I was younger, I kind of like set these goals and I'm slowly still working through this. So it's going to change maybe tomorrow if you ask me the same question again, but 
when I was younger, I think I set a series of goals of, okay, I'm going to go get a degree and I'm going to get a great job that I love. And I, I have um, a woman who's in my life that I really and, and love and, and we're married and I want to be with and we're going to have you know 2.5 children and we're going to buy this nice house and we're going to have an okay car and we're going to take X vacation a year and uh, we'll live in a community and it's just all going to be rainbows and unicorns and it'll be perfect. And, and it was that way for a, long, a while. Um, and then when my wife's mental health started to create some challenges for us, um, you know, that whole plan, you know, took a left turn. And all the things that we wanted to have happen in our life just couldn't quite get there. And one after another, things started to to take a different path and things started to fall or change because of, you know, no fault of anybody's just, um, we had to make it, we had to make a different choice. And now that we're kind of in the middle or, yeah, I would say we're probably in the middle of still dealing with all that, um, over the last, you know, five to eight years, I am on a journey to say, yeah, what, what was I thinking? Why did I have to have a set path with a set goal you know who am I at 20 to know where I should be at 45 because there's so much experience between 20 and 45 Mm -hmm. Um, so now I'm in the middle of thinking back about you know Italo Cavino book The Invisible Cities is now I'm in the middle of looking at my life and trying to say yeah I didn't hit those goals but look at all this that I have and um really practicing gratitude and gratefulness for what what is there um appreciate uh, appreciate where i was and the things that i've done and then try to just live in the moment you know and i think for so long my 20s and maybe 30s we had i had fun moments but it was always well when i'm in my 40s i'm going to have this or at some point i'm going to go on this amazing vacation or and I think I'm in this path right now of just enjoy where you are and not, not have a, it's not saying you shouldn't have a goal, but don't let the goal be the thing that's driving you forward. Make sure you're appreciating where you are. Um, and that goal is, is there to try to achieve, but not be upset if, if you end up taking a turn and going somewhere else, because mm-hmm. maybe that's what you needed to do. Um, and be more open to all the opportunities around you and what's, going on and the people that you run into in your life and um i don't know if i'm answering your question or if i'm just rambling but um i would say more about life is about just just appreciating where you are and taking advantage of connecting with with things and people that are around you instead of waiting for some day for them to be different do you think about like some ultimate purpose behind it all um like uh, it like in my you know the christian religion that kind of frames um an ultimate purpose like you know why do i even exist for Mm. example but from someone who um you know isn't like in this religion or that Mm -hmm. religion but you know, from your perspective, uh, you know, a higher power of some type. Um, do, do you think about that, or do you have any thoughts about well, just why 
you know, why do we exist? What, what's it all about? Mm. You know, something along those lines. Um, I do actually, I, I don't think I tie it to, um, a higher power per se. Although now that you say it out loud, I'm like trying to connect some dots in my head that maybe I haven't connected before. Um, I think, um, another book that I'm reading, which will, uh, will tie into this, uh, have read is Simon Sinek's, um, the infinite game. And, and I think that's kind of where I am in my life right now is, is my purpose is not necessarily to be a millionaire and travel the world and see all these things that I want to do. What if my purpose is just to help others around me move forward slightly? You know, if I'm just, um, player in a bigger game how can I play my part the best that I can and um because I don't know is there is there actual winning at life you know when you die someone doesn't say this person won the rest of us didn't this one won I, I don't think so I think all of us win our own little game that we're that we're in the middle of and for me and what I like to do is, is I like to help other people. I like to mentor other people. I like to engage with other people. And through that mentoring and engagement and, and, and support of others, if I can get them to move the needle forward um, a little bit in their life and they help me move the needle forward a little bit in my life, then is that, to me, maybe that's what it's all about. It's just you're here you don't know exactly what you're supposed to do, but you you can purposefully help move something forward, whether that's an individual who's trying to, to achieve something or whether that's supporting a cause that you believe in and just doing your part by organizing a fundraiser or a, um, you know, or picking up trash on the street. Maybe that's all you do. Um, but that's something that maybe someone else wasn't going to do. And be a good person and move something forward, you know. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> How does that relate in terms of uh, religion from your viewpoint in terms of being a, I don't know, I don't know if messenger is the right word, but being a, um, a cog in, the, in a bigger overall view of things? Well, cog's a bad word too. <laughs> that's no, not really okay. what I mean. <laughs> I understand what you mean, like fitting in. Yeah. And... I kind of see like those things as more of like um, how to be in the world, mm-hmm. you know, how to fit in, um, what should be my aim and what should come out of my life and so forth. But I, um, but I guess, you know, behind it all, you know, why, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know how I would, so I think about that sometimes. I don't know how I would come up with it uh, apart from, um, you know, faith in God. Because I, I guess when I think of the why, I think of, well, it, you know, there's uh, all of reality, you know, flows from, from God. And it's an expression of him. So um, this is all, so he's the the why behind it all as far as like, well, it's for his pleasure. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's pleased for um, the world to exist and it's to, um, 
show forth, you know, it's like the radiance of his glory, so to speak. And and that's the only um, kind of like why that, you know, I know of. Um, Is that why for you specifically? It's the... Um, or is that why for like humanity in general? Both. Both, yeah. So when I think of the why for me specifically, I think, well, I'm a creature, meaning I'm something this God has, I'm his workmanship and um, a project, so to speak. Um, as I go through life, I'm growing, you know, shaped by providence and um, all the things mm-hmm. around me. And, and it's something's coming forth from it that's um, pleasing to him and he like he's taking pleasure in it and it's there's something that shines from it that reflects the creator and when it gets down to the ultimate thing um, you know I can't think of anything behind that or further mm-hmm. deeper than that than it's his it's his pleasure um, it's the shining forth of who he is, you know, the, all the different intricacies of creation and relationships and the, the marvel of it all. Um, it speaks forth of, of the creator's glory, so to speak. So how does that manifest itself in how you choose to, to live your life? If it's for his pleasure, how do you live your life for his pleasure? Is that how that, am I defining that correctly as you're understanding it? Yeah. It's um, thinking of myself, thinking it's not so much like what I'm doing, it's more of what is happening to me and Mm. how um, I'm growing. And uh, so, so, see, how does it, so you're asking me, how does it work its way out when the rubber? meets the road is, yeah. so to speak yeah do you feel like you have um opportunity for intention in your life or do you feel like you're living in his world that he's created for his pleasure and it just is what it is and and things will just happen without intentionality on your part no that kind of gets into the free will type of thing i yeah. think and and I don't think about that, the free will type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so I think that's kind of beyond me um, as sure. far as like figuring that out. I, f- I live like I have free will. Right. And I don't, um, and uh, so that doesn't come into play so much with this type of thing. Um, see, how does it come into play though? Um, I guess it comes into play in that I put more of an emphasis on growing and learning um, because like just a gardener who plants a, a plant in the ground, you know, what does he want it to happen? He wants it to grow and he wants it to blossom and so forth. And it's not so much um, about what I can do. Um, it's perhaps more of... Um, you know, being 
someone's workmanship and what he's doing in mm-hmm. me. And so, so taking yeah. that um, joy and excitement of knowing that 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 is happening, at, and his workmanship within you and what that's brought to you, that's that's what's kind of bringing some some purpose in um, focus, I guess, to how you're moving your life forward or how you're living your life. Maybe not moving forward, but yeah. just how you're living. When it comes to just how I'm living, I think maybe it, it it's more of, well, what has God called me to do, yeah. to be? You know, what are these different callings? And um, how would he have me to enjoy what comes from his hand mm-hmm. and um, relationships and sustenance, whatever it might be? Um, how to be faith, how to exercise wisdom. So it gets more practical, I think. Sure. I think the idea of well, what's the meaning behind it all might be a more abstract thing of like just trying to answer that why question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's um, just reminded me of this, of a story. And I don't know if I spoke about this when we had coffee or not, but um, one of the, I think other reasons why I, I started to stray from religion is, is I remember very specifically, I was like 12 and the preacher came over and sat on our back porch and my sister who was a couple years older than me and and i didn't know this at the time but um now i do is that they were my parents were hoping to get us baptized and we were christened when we were kids in catholic church but now they wanted to get us baptized in the baptist church Mm -hmm. and so the preacher was there to talk to my sister and i about religion and, and really get us to approve ourselves to be baptized by the church. Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting very specifically on the front porch and he's talking to us and telling us these biblical stories and, and um, about how God created the world and all these things. And, um, and he's like, do you believe? And my sister was like, yes. And I was like, well, I have a question. And so I'd ask a question and he would answer it. But most of his answers and all my questions were, you just got to have faith. And, over and over, I'd ask, and he'd tell another story from the Bible, and I was like, well, well, then what happened? And how did this happen? And I'm like, and that doesn't make sense, because this isn't connecting to this story. And I'm trying to piece it all together as a young kid, and he's just like, you got to have faith. And I, and I couldn't. I could not get the faith to just believe the, the discongruity, uh, what's the word? the disconnectedness of stories that that are supposed to be happening at the same time um but there's a slight disalignment on how they connect Mm -hmm. and i couldn't fill in the story between the two and he couldn't fill it in either Mm -hmm. and his answer was just you got to have faith and i could never get there Mm -hmm. um so you know he came over several times and we had lots of conversations my sister and i and him on our front porch my sister ended up getting baptized i never Mm -hmm. did yeah um I just couldn't do what she did. She just said, oh, yeah, I believe I have faith. And I'm just yeah. like wondering to this day, did she feel like she just had to say that? Or did she actually have faith that I don't care what happens in the middle? Mm-hmm. That I just believed that it worked itself out. Right. I think that's a really poor answer. You just have to have faith. That's almost like saying you just need to believe something without having reasons to believe it. Whereas when I think of faith, I think it's more of um, 
like trust in uh, like a person. Mm-hmm. So the the God of the Bible is a personal God. So it, in relationships, of course, there's there's trust. Like in a marriage relationship, I'm I don't have um, a uh, you know like a camera watching my wife all the time, <laughs> right? Um, but in that relationship, knowing her character, you know I. I trust her. So there's right. not certainty there, but there's, um, you know, strong confidence. Um, so that's like one way to yeah, look at yeah. faith. And, um, and, uh, as far as those other things, I have a lot of like, you know, I don't know. Right. There's a lot of, um, you know, the, the Bible is a historical book and just like historical records, we piece things together like, uh, and we think, well, maybe it this way happened this way. Maybe it happened that way. Um, and then there's just a lot of, you know, yeah. we don't know. There's kind, there's those essential things of the Christian faith that, you know, Jesus and his um, death and resurrection is like, you know, that's that heart of the the, the faith. Right. And, and there's a sense that, well, if you, if you don't, accept that then you know you might enjoy his teachings and stuff but you might you probably shouldn't call yourself a christian since mm-hmm. that's just the heart of it and as far as like is there has, is there certainty there i don't think there there is certainty in a, a certain sense mm-hmm. like you know you can't measure it or examine it with our senses like we would something scientific but i think there can be you know historical reasons for for believing it, um, even though it it's not um, a natural thing that you know we experience, right. um, so to to just you just have to believe it without reasons. Um, you know, you just have to have faith. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that would rub <laughs> me the wrong way too. Yeah, it did. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I was just an astute kid or what, but it, I it, yeah, it's interesting that. You brought up that memory for me. I can remember it like it was yesterday, having that conversation with him. <laughs> yeah. So. So what happened with your sister? Is she still? Um, um, it's very interesting. Um, I think she still goes to church from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she ended up getting married to someone who was Catholic, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Hmm. Um, and so she ended up having to go back into Catholicism and go through classes and to get married. And he actually um, was married before, and he had uh, gotten divorced, and he had to get the, you know it annulled before he could get married again. And there was lots of. Mm-hmm frustration among my sister and the family and that whole process of how the two of them could come together um, Mm -hmm. in that religion. And, you know, and that again, watching my sister go through that and all the hoops she had to jump through and the, all the the hoops he had to jump through and um, all the classes she had to take. And I I was just like, this is a lot of work for two people who love each other. Mm -hmm. Like if you love each other, why can't you just be in love? And, mm-hmm. and get together and you know they've been together now for 20 something years but um that's just like every time i'm i'm in i'm analyzing how religion is putting things making it so much more complicated for people to just connect with each other and and i feel like that's the antithesis of what i feel like religion should really be it should be helping bring people together and not like 
you know, putting a wedge between them and then make them prove that they are worthy of, of love. And that frustrates me to no end. And not, I'm not saying all religions do that or all churches do that, but I see it again and again. And, I, and when I see it just once, it just infuriates me. I'm like, if two people want to, to show love, which is what the root of the Bible is, in my opinion, why, why are you stopping that? Why are you making that harder? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to bring up before we uh, wrap up? Um, no, I, I mean, I've, you know, we've had two conversations now, and they've both been really great conversations. And this yeah. is the kind of, um, I appreciate you coming in and asking me these things. Some of the stuff I haven't really thought about. A lot of it's stuff that I have thought about, but I haven't shared with someone else. So it's nice to just... Uh, to say it out loud and I appreciate yeah, asking the questions well thanks I appreciate yeah. just spending the time with you I've enjoyed it yeah me too if you use a podcast app like iTunes please give a review of conversations about life mm-hmm.